I was walking down the street and I saw a um, a sign in the window and it said, uh, the only truth is creation. And I thought to myself, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and um, I knew it had to do um, with spirituality on some level, but it's been a journey for me to try to really understand what this thing is that everyone talks about. When I grew up, it was about um, a religious connotation and it's been confusing, but the older I've gotten, the more I would say I'm definitely spiritual. So we thought that we would have a conversation today about what is this thing called spirituality and what is its benefits. And so we've brought in who I think is one of the closest to God. <laughs> I'll let you decide. Um, men that I know, uh, Johnny Pollard. So let's get into it. Oi, hello there. Hello. Feeling a bit lost, yep. little confused. Yeah. Well, we're all one. C- C- collective potential. I was thinking about three things about Johnny Pollard. There's this effortlessness, this beautiful word that I've, 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 I've felt like every time I see him, he just flows in and out. People um, constantly say things around me like when they've met him, oh, Johnny said this and Johnny said that. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Everyone's talking about what Johnny said. Um, but I feel like that's what... Um, he does is he speaks his truth in a very, very effortless way and people really respond to it. And to match his effortlessness and his truth that he speaks, he's cool as shit, you know, like somebody who just generally is being called a spiritual guru here in Melbourne, let alone across the world with um, a charity and a movement really called One Giant Mind. He has an amazing app where it teaches the average Joe um, how to meditate, an amazing spiritual practice. Um, but he just vibes. And I feel like this is such an exciting conversation that we're going to have today because I feel like we're just going to ask Johnny or speak to Johnny about what he knows rather than going deep into conversations that we tend to with other people I feel like we'll be able to use this as something where we can learn from him and uh, we've got full permission to today. So, Johnny, thank you so much for coming in. This is going to be so much fun. I can feel it. (laughs) I'm equally as excited to be here as you guys. Somebody said that um, I I was calling them a a guru and they go, I'm not a guru. If you break down the letters, can you say them to me? And I was like, G-U-R-U. <laughs> I was like, that's good. Get it? Do you are you? That's all being a guru is about. Is being good. Yourself. <laughs> I'll speak to you later about yeah. it, Jess. <laughs> so, Johnny, I don't know. Where should we start, boys? This is if this is going to go deep. Well, we should start with defining what guru means. Yeah, defining what spirituality means as well. Guru, spirituality. What are these words that could have? Yeah. Well, to you anyway. But Please do, because I get still very confused about it. Well, traditionally, uh, a guru, well, the word guru comes from the Sanskrit language. Gu means darkness, ru means remover. A guru is uh, a function of nature, actually. It's not so much a person, it's a function of nature. That is illuminating or revealing the next phase of evolution. And so a guru is, in the, as it pertains to a human, is an individual that has cultivated their nervous system to be able to detect what nature is up to and through a process of fierce empathy and compassion, putting their attention on another, utilize that capacity to detect what 
that person needs to hear in that moment so that they feel empowered to continue evolving self-sufficiently. That's the function of a guru. Awesome. Great it just blew my head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the, the part that excited me most is your pronunciation of the word guru. <laughs> yeah. So all the R's in Sanskrit are like a tap. You know, the, we, use the, we say mantra in Australia. Don't we? Actually, it's mantra. Uh, the, the, the correct pronunciation is, um, is very important with Sanskrit because of the nature of what the language is, but it, I won't go into that. Right is it, just, just quickly on that, is, isn't I heard Sanskrit's the closest or the most native to our use of our tongues or like the language closest to the easiest to use from our body? Yes. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to blow your minds again? Yes, please. please. Sanskrit. You have full every... permission yeah. to blow our minds. So what is Sanskrit? Sanskrit uh, is considered to be uh, onomatopoeic. Do you know what onomatopoeia is? No. no I've so heard of it, yeah. I thought it's automatic pen, so when you wet yourself. <laughs> Jeremy. That was very good, Jeremy. That was good. Yeah, He's quick. Like, I'll give him that word. I'm not sure that was in the Sanskrit language or the but scriptures. I'm sure, I'm sure it's happened to some people that, <laughs> that have been involved in Sanskrit. There's some relevance there, Jeremy. Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> of many occasions from the age oh, of about zero to three. I love this spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. This is why it's going to be good. Yeah. So uh, onomatopoeia is that la- that pa- in English language or that, those words that are mimicking sounds. So bang, bang, knock, knock, boom, oh. clap. These are onomatopoeic words because they are words that are mimicking the phenomenon. Oh, right. So, right. for example, I've yeah. got a microphone in front of me. The, the sound microphone is entirely arbitrary to the phenomenon of the microphone. The sound microphone has nothing to do with the phenomenon of the microphone. But bang has everything to do with the sound of the phenomenon of an explosion of some sort, right? Gotcha. Sanskrit, <laughs> wait for it, hmm. is onomatopoeic. So the, the, uh, the language is a language that mimics the different sounds that nature makes at a very, very subtle level of consciousness. And Sanskrit emerged from a great uh, lineage of masters that had the capacity to de-excite their awareness within their own consciousness sufficiently to be able to detect the primordial sounds of creation. Awesome. Whoa. And sequence these sounds... And, and what they were perceived, the sounds that they were hearing were also perceived as form and phenomenon that explained the very nature of reality. So what they were hearing were forms that were expressive of how nature expresses itself. Amazing. Right? I'm you, kind of... Uh, so you, have I lost you? No, this is, no, I'm just... You haven't lost me. I'm just finding it... I'm in awe of that we can go back that, and you look at language like that and mm-hmm. that from the dawn of time that you're talking about where when we speak every day mm-hmm. you're actually going back to its origins i'm in awe as i'm listening to it. you haven't lost me i'm not okay, like so, so for example well, in christianity is that like speaking in tongues is a similar thing would you say yeah um, except most people that speak in tongues that that experience it's a spontaneous and generally quite involuntary phenomenon and most of the people that are speaking in tongues have no idea what it is they're saying they're just being expressive of some eruption, an impulse that's erupting out of them as a result of connecting with what they perceive to be divine. Okay. 
And so they're very different things. Okay. The, the, the Sanskrit language is very, very precise and very deliberate. And in fact, there are, there are slokas or statements in the Sanskrit language that describe things that most humans find almost impossible to conceive of in terms right. of the fundamental nature of reality. It's extraordinary. Amazing. So is, out of interest, is there ways that we can scientifically receive this information of like the vibration of the earth or, um, you know, like this, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there, or the, cause I know our frequency emits a, our heart emits a frequency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of frequencies, if they're translated into noises, is that of interest or is it that you more like go through gurus? Um, well, it all depends on who's asking. You know, the question to me, to to you is, are you able to de- to detect nature at that level? And if the answer is yes, then the answer is yes, you can. Um, it's always relative to who's asking and what their capability is, what their state of consciousness is, and to what degree they can detect what nature's up to. Okay. Can they can they hear it? You know, all of this language it wasn't like handed down on a you know in a book from a hand from the clouds. It was something that was cognized through direct experience as a result of a series of processes of refining the nervous system, the senses, and one's faculties of perception to interpret what nature is up to. Um, But the answer is ultimately yes, in so much as that everything within nature, all the information and knowledge about the entire universe is encoded within every aspect of itself. This is the what is referred to in contemporary sort of scientific thinking as the holographic phenomenon. You know, there's a hologram, and in each each cell or each particle of the of the material universe contains the blueprint of the entire universe. All the information is coded in every aspect of every component of of the living universe. In the sense of, that the quarks in, the, in an atom work the same way as the galaxy. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all just mirroring itself. Yeah. The, also, the, the, the concept of, of fractal geometry is this understanding that there is an inherent sort of signature geometrical structure that is, that is all-pervasive on all the different dimensions of, of reality, right down to the subatomic quantum level awesome. and beyond. Amazing. Mm. So just to just to pan out for a moment, I think everyone boils down to the same thing, right? And but every, every, there's so much separation in the world. Mm. Like how, in, in your ideal scenario, how would you say we should set up the Earth so our species, our people, can be taught by gurus in a, in a non-dogmatic, in a very um, true um, sense of discovery of love and divinity and all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really sit and listen to any real guru what they're going to be saying is the guru is in you and the what they what they're after what's being communicated is that we all have a fundamental nature and that fundamental nature its most fundamental quality is oneness there is only one thing in the in the tradition that i teach in the 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 fundamental principle of this of this world view is that there's only one thing in the universe and if there's only one thing in the universe and I exist, I must be it. So what, what is it that I can do that enables me to detect that fundamental unified Truth. F- phenomenon? Well, yeah, experience, but as, not as a concept, yeah. as a direct experience. Yes. How can I have the direct experience mm. of this oneness that, that I in, am in, in, inherently 
um, an expression of. So is, I find that fascinating because like, I, I feel like people like you and Em and different ones who are open-minded enough or awake enough to see and honor the, the, the experiences in others. You know, like everyone has their own experience with this energy or the, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. God, whatever, whatever you na- name it. But there's also what is, is, is the, all the bad stuff as well. You know, like, so all the negative energies and the, um, what, how do you, what do you, how do you conclude on those things? You know, the, cause the, we're talking about light and creation and the opposite of that is destruction and parasitic, uh, iconic energies, which destruct. Okay. And destroy. So, yeah. Yeah. So on, on one level of creation, we can, we can observe a paradox at play, a battle of polarities. Um, but upon closer inspection, what we realize is those appearances of polarities are actually just ends of a spectrum. Mm. The, the, the extreme creation component is at one end of a spectrum and on the other end of the spectrum, there is a destruction function. And then in the center of that, there is another fun- a function that actually creates a, a trine that breaks the polarity, the, 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 uh, the binding Pools. Pools. It's uh, like the and, white implies black and black implies white and yeah. self implies other and other implies self, like all that. Yeah, well, the, well the, third, the third component in this creation and destruction polarity is maintenance, is an intelligence. It doesn't sound very fun, though, does it? <laughs> Pardon? It doesn't sound very fun, like, in the middle of the balance. Well, well, it, well it is, though. It's yeah. brilliant. And yeah. actually, this is, the, this is the magic that we're awakening to. And what that, is, what that, that maintenance function does is it regulates the relevance of what needs to be created and what needs to be destroyed okay. in any given moment. Now, if we were to apply this principle to our own human experience and the way that we relate to what's going on in the world right now, there's an extraordinary narrative taking place where it appears the light is getting brighter and the darkness is getting more entrenched and more resistant. And there is this, this sort of sense that there's going to be this monumental battle of Mate, good yeah, and bad yeah. on the planet, right? Yeah. You talk about Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, well, I but mean, you do. You hear it in the media constantly. Mm-hmm. People are always talking about it. If you're in social change, you're always trying to fix the problem versus bring the light. Okay, yep. Yep. yep, yep. So there's this there's this narrative that's taking place on the planet right now. However, at some point, those that are sincere are going to awaken to the fact that this is just well, not just. I'll take the word just out of it because it's monumental. That this is a remarkable story a narrative that is playing out for humanity that we actually have the capacity to witness and in, our, in the position of our witnessing recognize that we're not bound by it. And in the understanding that we're not bound by it, we are immediately elevated into a creative position where we are empowered to begin participating in scripting the narrative of what's taking on taking place gotcha, here. Yeah. Whilst choice? ever we are exactly creative choice. Whilst ever we are indoctrinated into the us and them paradigm, <laughs> we are always going to be polarized. Yeah, yeah. Mate, and I feel that that's where I'm I've been quite tumultuized recently yeah. in the last six months by yeah. that po- yeah. polarity in myself. Mm. Um, that's so true, because if I think about you uh, if you know, there's always this. I'm he, Jeremy loves life, but then he's then so beautifully, sensitively burdened by um, its destruction and it's how it treats its uh, humans. So, with Jeremy having such polarity, you're saying that he, should he, it's maintenance. 
that no, he needs? No, it's not just the maintenance. It's the understanding. Again, take just out, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's not it's not just yeah. It's not just maintenance. It's creation, maintenance, and destruction. What what we what we need to do is to understand what's happening here on the planet and what's happening in the universe as a principle of how evolution functions. What right. is the mechanics of evolution? Yeah. The laws. Re- <clears throat> yeah. And it requires a creative component. Then it requires a maintenance component that determines what is relevant relative to moving forward. And what are we doing when we're moving forward? We're evolving. So as we're evolving and we're moving forward, something new is always being created, right? Mm. And so as that creation gets passed down the line, there is a function that determines, okay, what remains relevant now that we've got this new thing? Okay, this, this, and this remains relevant, but this and this and this no longer do. So we send that further down the line and it becomes the domain of the destruction function, the disillusion function. Now, in the, in the tradition in which I teach in, the, these three domains are like universes. So that's creation, destruction. Ma- maintenance and destruction. Okay, yeah. Creation, maintenance and destruction. Mm. There are gods and goddesses that are the embodiment of these domains. Gotcha. And there are, uh, there are sacred texts that are written in such extraordinary narratives that, tell, that basically delineate the function of the universe and how the mechanics of it within story. It's profound. Books like the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Ramayana. <laughs> I love these words, but they make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. these, are, these are texts that I really, really encourage yeah. you to read, they will blow your mind. You think Lord of the Rings is epic? <laughs> where, where, where can we find them when, when on, this is find on, Online. Yeah. So what? May, maybe what we'll do... Or if you want to find the Bhagavad Gita, just don't walk you worry, down we'll get... Street. No, 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 but you don't just want any old Bhagavad Gita. Oh, what? Because like any other any other doctrine or any other sacred oh, text, translated. it gets bastardized okay. by particular individuals and organizations that have an agenda. But I can recommend a series we'll, of very, very well translated and transliterated texts. We'll get that. It'll blow your mind. We'll get that off you later and link it up. In one quick point on that, um, is do you find like as you as as we journey our spiritual path and discover new information and open ourselves to what feels right, would you say the principle of um, just listening to your heart's response to something like reading the Bible and go, oh yeah, that jumps out, that hits my heart, that doesn't, that might be, that doesn't feel right. You know, like, um, that, I think we're all those... in explore, exploration, always exploration mode. Would you encourage that kind of thinking or would you think just go to certain texts? I, we, we have this remarkable thing called a heart mm-hmm. and the heart is the center of our spirituality. Mm-hmm. And the word spirituality, at least for me, pertains to, the the fundamental reality of our existence, which is sacred, it's divine, yeah. it's luminous, and it has an inherent nature, which is unconditional love. And what what is unconditional love? It means that it is bound by its nature <clears throat> to love. And I break down love in a series of qualities and characteristics. Love is self-awareness. Love is uh, 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 always evolving always in a state of flux, moving in the direction of greater elegant complexity, greater sophistication. Mm -hmm. And and what's driving that is an inherent intelligence. And within that intelligence is an agenda, a sense of purpose. So it's creative. Mm. And in its creative process, it's innovating. It's always new. Mm. It's always Mm. new. Mm. And this is the... No attachment to... Yeah, exactly. It's just new, new, new. 
And this is this is the experience of bliss when we experience Man, love. I, I'm just into jail. Yeah. I'm feeling it right now. Like as you're talking, as soon as you started saying the nature of love, mm. I just started like. This doesn't happen often because um, I, I swing a bit. But, man, I'm feeling like this kind of glow in my head. Like it might be dopamine rushing in or something. But I just I feel really lit up by what you're saying as to be so true and to be to – be, it just emanates from me. Like it's fucking weird, man. You weren't even smiling or anything when you're talking. But I just felt this energy of like truth and lo- pure unconditional love and knowledge and – bravery and i just fucking loved it <laughs> is, is that what is that the intelligence yes that he's so, feeling? So, so knowledge is alive and so what i did is i just i just expounded a sequence and that sequence interacted with your consciousness and what happened was all your thinking your your wow. your thinking mind Whoa. basically aligned with your nature and you experience a coordination between your heart and your thinking minds. And what that does is it gives rise to a rush of energy, prana or life force. The kundalini starts rising when, and this is the power of knowledge and the power of sequencing knowledge. Right. So what you're saying so is that's what you just experienced. Mate, that's because you're saying it in a certain sequence. sequence. What just, it did is the language, the words, the sequence. Like a key gave, going through a locked, locking gave, things up. Correct. Gave rise to prana, to, to an, a kundalini mo- moving, yeah. Isn't it funny? Because I've always I grew up with, with the Christian faith that you're not of self, and there's a, I felt very like um, mental, you know, like um, se- selfish is sin and selflessness is where you want. There's never any harmony in such that of all of my being, you know, like my thinking is my ego, and that's bad, or like you know. But there's something about I'm th- curious, and we are all curious as by nature, and there's uh, that freedom and creative. But like I, I for me, it just rings true when you're lying. I just want my being to be in harmony with my environment and my, my being to be in harmony with itself. Mm. And I suppose what you're saying is that. But isn't it at a different level too that if you take the further enough perspective, it's everything's in harmony? Or, and that's sort yes. of, I've been listening to a lot of Ram Dass lately mm-hmm. and he's been talking about the different levels or planes you can live at where you can live at, you know, I can look at you now, Jez, and I can see a, a beautiful body, a man, but then I can go another level. I make it everyone just for those at home. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I see your body. So am I. You know, I can be all lustful. And then you switch another level and I could see, all right, that's, that's Jez. He's, he works for Hamish and Andy. He has this role. He's a guy. He's kind of hip. He does all these things. And you can see his role, but then you can switch the level. I can see you as consciousness looking at me and I'm consciousness, consciousness looking at you. But then you switch another level where it's like, it's me and you, we're the one thing. We're all doing a dance. Is that, do you resonate with that, with that at all, Johnny? Absolutely, yeah. So... Um, without going into, you know, deep Vedic science, um, there, there is an understanding that reality is structured and there are different ways of interacting and interpreting an experience relative to the level of consciousness or the level of reality that you're referring to or interacting with. That gets very abstract in that conversation. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I, I absolutely concur with all of that. Mm-hmm. But going back to what you, you said, Jez, you, you were saying, you know, is it really just about an intuition in the heart? And the answer is absolutely. You know, any, any great teacher is ultimately leading an individual so that they, <clears throat> they have the capacity themselves to intuit the impulse of divine intelligence or nature's intelligence as a continuum, a stream permeating from the depths of their being into their physical body and into their minds and to be able to act fearlessly, shamelessly, filled with, you know, a sense of power and responsibility 
to participate in this procession of creation that's going on in the universe. How this is you, ultimately our function. How do you relate to your own emotions? As beautiful colors on a palette, uh, you know, as a, as a human being, uh, you know, emotions are, I mean, it's a, a, you know, we could do a whole podcast on that really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great headline though, <laughs> what you said there. Yeah, yeah. Emo- emotions are uh, the means by which we can um, sense and gauge our relationship to the external world. You know, emotions are, are triggered and stimulated by external stimuli mm. and mm. primarily through human interaction. But, you know, uh, a cute puppy can stimulate, uh, you know, a whole gamut of emotions of love. You know, a beautiful sunset can almost bring tears to your eyes. If, so if, you, if you're in a moment, you know, of sentimentality or whatever, you know, emotions are a, a means by which we are contextualizing our human experience. And they're, they're beautiful, but they're probably... You know they're very confusing to a lot of people, I think. And uh, but that, like I said, it's a, it's a whole other subject. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to just go back to like I feel like as a key, like into to, to um, be like what's that geezer that DJ Khaled is always talking about keys on Snapchat. He's very funny if you don't know him. Um, <laughs> but um, he, um, yeah, that, that yeah. For, that's a key for me is to say um, is to just remember your heart and rest and trust in my heart and. Um, and just get in tune. Like I feel like I just need to take a, a bit more trust in of myself and rest and back in a greater, greater sense of something. But um, I need to practice. You know, like I need to do more ritualistic behaviors to evoke and let myself fall into that alignment. Yeah. So what we all need is a practice and also a framework that sort of assists us to orientate and con- and contextualize our experience. Quite often we'll we'll have an ideology or we'll have some ideas about the nature yeah. of reality, and then we get hit by this this Something set of set of experiences and, and body sensations and emotions that are so overwhelming that we can't use, we can't gain access to our intellect to influence our emotional state. Our emotions just completely override any logical reason or any intellectual paradigm of thinking, and so we find ourselves disorientated in the experience of ourselves. So some people would be, if they're stuck in life, they feel like they're just sitting inside that emotion and they can't access this intelligence or this, as you put it, nature's intelligence Mm. within us. Yeah. And so they stay there stagnant a lot of the time. Yeah, and and often they'll stay there stagnant as a result of thinking. Yeah. A, a set of thinking where they're hyper-identified with their emotional state and with their thinking state. And so the model that I imagine you're seeking and probably everybody else that's listening to this that doesn't have some sort of you know, formal practice of expanding our capacity to detect our deepest nature because ultimately that's what it comes down to. Mm. What, we're, what, we're, what we're trying to do is increase our capacity to sustain deep, meaningful interaction with those impulses of love and creativity and be expressive of it un- uninhibited by our fears and doubts and insecurities and guilt and shame and worthlessness mm. and all this shit that haunts us on a day-to-day basis and hijacks that beautiful flow. And so if, that's, if that is in, ca- in fact what, what it is you're trying to achieve, mm. then – um, you know, there's a series of things that you can do on a day-to-day basis that one... Wait, wait, I need to get a pen. <laughs> I'm going to write these down. Um, the first and foremost is 
we we want to inform ourselves not through an ideology. Yep. We want to inform ourselves through direct experience. And what we want to do is reacquaint ourselves with what we inherently know ourselves to be, which is unconditional love. And unconditional love is that sequence that I just said before. There's some other elements to it, but you get the idea. And Can you just quickly clarify, what's the difference between informing ourselves through experience but not an ideology? Okay, so direct experience is the experience of the self. Ideology is in the realm of the intellect. It's where we can think about a concept yeah. like, yeah, man, I know yeah. on the level of thinking we're all one, man. Yeah, yeah. But do I experience it? Mm. What does that actually mean? And even there's a, something that made me realize that you could talk about on the consciousness hippie side labels of we're all one, but even people who are a bit more mainstream are actually just going, I think I should be okay. You know, it's almost like they're just stuck in their own thoughts of what they think they should be. Yeah. Whereas you're saying, don't just think that's how you need to be or how you need to live life. Correct. I mean, a really common one is, oh, you know, the universe provides, you know. That's a really common one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect example. The universe will take care of it. The universe will take care of it. And yet I'm sitting here and I'm absolutely shitting myself about the fact that I've just taken out, you know, uh, a loan on my, you know, for the white picket fence house. Yeah, on my, on my house. And, yep. That know, sounds I'm, good. I'm unsure about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Okay. Yeah, so we, we can know on the level of the intellect that uh, as an idea, it makes a lot of sense that the universe is, you know, intelligent and it's, it's probably supporting what I'm doing. But am I actually experiencing that to the degree that I experience relief from an incessant worry type thinking that I find myself engaged in to counteract the, po- the, the possibility of shit going wrong in the future? Does it relieve me of my anxiety? Does it relieve me of my fear of the future? Does my ideology actually pass the so what test in terms of an experience? The so what test. Right. Mm. So this is what I mean by the difference between ideology and direct experience. Mm. Mm. And so how do we cultivate direct experience of our nature by actually tapping it? Yeah. What's what what what's and, the pathway to tapping it? That's the big question. Yeah. Well, and and also not form an attachment as soon as you've tapped it. Like, because I've been guilty, or I've I, in the past I've had an incredible spiritual experience, and then I cling on to it and going forward, you know, instead of just like going into the state that got me it. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is cultivation- a very common thing. It's a very common thing, by the way. Is this cultivation, this tapping, part of the maintenance you were talking about before? Cultivating. The experience it's it's both creation maintenance and destruction okay Maybe. i want you to, i want you to think of creation maintenance and structure destruction as like three propellers on a on a on a spinning um uh, three blades on a spinning propeller yep got it and it, it spins so fast that you can hardly detect where creation begins maintenance ends and destruction gotcha. it's happening all at the same time and why would you use the term maintenance over something like balance or or anything else like why why maintenance because balance involves creation maintenance and destruction the the, the gotcha. phenomenon of creation maintenance and destruction interacting constantly yeah, is what is causes balance. balance within the universe gotcha so um maintenance is very specific um so tapping so how do you how Did do you, you ha- have you how do you have the direct experience of yourself well there are many different ways in which you can you can do this 
the, the, the key word here is transcendence. Are you talking about the self or yourself? The, one self. The, the self. How to tap the true self. Which and is the one. Is, the, is that self that is never changing. It's, it's absolute. It's that, yeah. it's that aspect of creation that is absolute. Is absolute it? implies that it is everything. Is creation itself? It's like the Tao. No, creation is, is in a perpetual state of flux. It's different. Creation emanates from the absolute. We are, as, a, as individuals, an expression of the absolute. Okay. We are, we are uh, uh, a creation. We are, we are creation. Uh, yeah. we are. The best thing that helped me, I think, at least conceptually have an idea was Alan Watts said it's the thing where there is no outside. Mm-hmm. Does that Correct. make sense? Beautiful. It's yes. like if there's one thing, there is no outside because mm-hmm. we humans see foreground and background, but it, that's what the infinite is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Anyway. Beautifully put. Yeah. yeah. He's a good exactly boy, that Alan, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He sure is. He was, he was remarkable. Ryan, you're pretty good. It's oh, funny watching yeah. M just take notes as Johnny speaks. Yeah. It's like she's doing an essay and she's just like writing everything down. I learned through doing. So at the same time, I'm also thinking about people out there who um, don't know what informing experience are. And as I write down notes, I'm, I'm also trying to think about that person who's just like... Yeah. What is? He's in prime. He's, yeah. You're in primary school, and you're like Mister Guy that's in the. Okay. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst experience. Yeah. Where we are, you're far sw- on the journey. Yeah, we're 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 switching from kindy to PhD Pretty and much. back. So let's mm. really simplify this. Yeah. The 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 easiest way to to have the direct experience of the self is to transcend, and transcendence is a term that describes um, the motion of the universe and creation. It is constantly moving where it is not. The problem with humans is that we are so hyper-identified with one place inside of ourselves. We wake up every single day, we look in the mirror and we go, oh, hello me. I like all of this about me and I don't like all this about me mm. and I love mm. all of this about the world and I hate all this about the world. Mm. And they, they, they seldom move. They're quite rigid, these things. And often it takes some pretty blunt instruments mm. to kind of get us to let go of certain things. Mm. And I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. 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 So what transcendence is it, relative to what, what we're talking about here and what I just described is the ability to go beyond the ideas of who you think you are to experience what you are. And we are essentially a what, not a who. What we are is unconditional love, and unconditional love is that self-awareness, evolving, intelligent um, capacity. It's the thing I can't conceptually, I, I guess I've experienced it, but why would living in the present on the now, which is what I see spirituality as, it's like, because now is the only thing that exists, why is that love? Because I, I guess it's a different meaning of the word love, because I see love as an emotion. It's not so much love, it's where love is active. It's the now, which is, like you said very mm. correctly, is all there is. The, the concept of time is, you know, a construct that occurs inside of, our, in a, inside of our minds. You know, the past is a memory and the future is now in the making. But nice. we have the ability to kind of conceptualize it in some way and project. So all there is, and, and by the way, when, when the future happens, it's happening now, right? Mm. And so um, love is... The, the the motion of creation. It okay. is it is the glue and the way in which creation is expressive. And I, I sort of delineated some of the qualities of of that that love, that mm. that nature. 
And what we're, what we're seeking to do is to have the direct experience of that. And I've, I've said that transcendence is a mechanistic approach. The question is, how do we elicit transcendence in the mind? How do we go beyond these ideas of who we think we are to have an experience of this abstract reality that I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about? Mm. There's, there's, there's a couple of different ways. The way in which that is most accessible to us on a day-to-day basis, that is pretty much fail-safe in, a, in, a, in an approach, and that is meditation. And, um, you know, first and foremost... You know, I was going to say something stupid like brushing your teeth or right. something. <laughs> well, uh, if you meditate long enough, <laughs> then it, you can be picking your nose and you can transcend. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You can transcend at will. Once you, once you exercise the capacity, once you entrain the brain and the mind to become familiar with the pathway from the idea of who you think you are into these deeper states of awareness of what you are, if you do this enough, just like if you do chin-ups at a chin-up bar every day, within six months, you're going to be pushing out a hundred chin-ups and mm. everyone's going to mm. be standing around you going, wow. you mean on the toilet transcendent. <laughs> exactly. So if you meditate twice mm. a day, mm. within a very short period of time, a very extraordinary thing starts mm. to happen. You have this dexterity of perception, meaning you have the ability to move past the ideas of who you think you are and have the direct perceptual experience of what you are. And what you are mm. is all those things I just mm, described. Mm. The, the experience of being self-aware, the experience of evolving, the experience of intelligence, the experience of intelligence imbued with an agenda, which is creative and innovative, an experience of feeling a sense of purpose, that there is an impulse flowing through me right now and there is a reason and a purpose for it and I'm going to act on it. And, oh, look at what just happened, me acting on this deep sense of purpose. I've just had a profound impact on the person or the people or the circumstances in which I was interacting with. And what did that create? It created reciprocity. It instilled the capacity in the other to respond in the same way. Awesome. And then what are we experiencing? Unity. And then with unity, we have the capacity to become increasingly more elegant and sophisticated in the way that we interact creatively. This is the demand on humanity right now. Mm. The thing that's failing us the most is our inability to interact with each other creatively. We are reacting to each other defensively and in fear. Mm. This is the primary mode of interaction by which we interact with each other. How, how, how would you break that? Like if, if you by, were in charge? By, uh, I am in charge. I mean like in charge of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I am in charge. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you were like running America. Yeah, yeah. Well, how would you I, break it? Um, in, in the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. by mm. making, making uh, facing my fear that inhibits me to be an unconditional expression of love as my priority number one in every single moment. Awesome. That's it. Great answer. If you really want to know how to liberate yourself, confront your fear in every single moment and orientate yourself towards the practical reality, the practical reality, not the ideology of embodying unconditional love and being an expression of that. Yeah, cool. I've been meditating for about two years now and I sort of – I think I'm at that place you're talking at, or I am, where I can transcend a lot of the time. But one thing, it's I can get in that state of presence where I'm here, but I find I get caught on the language of like compassion awareness or loving awareness. So it's like, could you comment on that? Yeah, so I don't, 
I, I don't get too caught up in language. Mm. I'm more interested in experience. Yeah. And the, the language that I'm more concerned with is that abstract language of intuition and that final level of feeling that either gives rise to flow uh, or or doesn't. And mm. if it doesn't flow, then red lights go off inside of me and then it's all hands on deck, quick into the control room. Let's work out what's what's causing so this block. It's just a timing thing. So it just unfolds naturally. So it's not a, I should be thinking about this. It's just, I should just stay it's, in it's, the present until it just happens. It's your, exactly. It's your nature. And, and, it, and the reality is that it's actually always happening. That's the reality. That you're never, your, your nature is always compassionate. Your nature is always loving. It's always kind. It's always intelligent. It's always dynamic. It's always adaptable. It's always self-aware. It's always evolved. Mm. To what degree are you choosing to ignore that is mm. the question that we mm. need to ask ourselves. The only thing that inhibits our nature is ignorance. And we practice ignorance religiously. Mm. Shit comes up. We go, oh, can't deal with that. Well, our world is constructed by it, right? Yes. Like, Correct. Our, so, our very experience, our sensories are always experiencing separation and correct. Ignorance. Yeah. So that that's the, that's the sadness I feel is that our people as a species are, um, have, are looking uphill at, in terms of changing this this world that's constructed terribly for the to bring out the worst in us all. If I may, can I offer an alternative perspective mm. on the drama? Good. I'd love it to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> So from, from the, the Vedic perspective, which is that tradition that I teach with him, it's understood that the most powerful force in the universe and the most important force in the universe is not love. It's ignorance. The most important or the most? The most important. You have the cheekiest smile at the moment. I love it. <laughs> I don't know if he's it's tricking like, us or... It's almost like, ta-da! <laughs> I thought he was doing a little test and going, no. gotcha, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it is. Yeah. Let me explain. It's simple. If there's only one thing in the universe, well, the, the understanding is that before creation, before the, the, the concept of other, there is infinity. And inherent with infinity is uh, an unbounded field of pure consciousness. There must be because consciousness exists. Uh, in the relative world, in the field of creation. So therefore, consciousness must have existed prior to creation. And it's understood that this one unbounded, infinite field of pure consciousness um, it was, uh, it is unmanifest and on, on some level of itself. So is, it, is, is unmanifested, just to explain that part? Well, so infinity is all potentiality. Yep. Infinite potentiality. That yep. means everything that ever could be, everything that ever is, or anything that ever was, is inherently in it yep. as a potential, unmanifest. Yep. And it was understood that before it manifested, it was unmanifest. Infinity, infinite potential. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? And so, a- a- as one whole indivisible thing, a supersymmetric plane, there was no other. And so it. It got bored. <laughs> and as an infinite, all-knowing, uh, you know, supreme intelligent field. The absolute. The absolute. It, 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 uh, got bored and it, made up ignorance. 
<laughs> it got bored and went, I want to experience myself as other. Now, what kind of force do you think? This is next level chat. Just for those that are struggling to keep up, this is this is next level. <laughs> so, in order for for uh, an infinite field of pure awareness to experience itself as other, it has to stir a force so great inside of itself in order to forget itself, so that it can have a convincing Fuck experience of, of itself as other. Well, that's that's yeah. Alan, what's that's, that's, there's a, that's like the. Like, I don't get that's it. That's probably the, okay. You don't? No. What? And I would really like to. Right. Okay. So okay. imagine if you knew everything. Can I have a shot? Yes, yeah. Please. Right. Let's have this conversation. Maybe I'm talking okay. to the people who are like, I don't get it. No, it's worth querying. So imagine you know everything that's going to happen, right? So you're playing The Sims and you know what's going to happen. I wouldn't be playing Sims. Anyway, <laughs> that's how I like to look at it. And you go, all right, all right, I know everything that's going to happen. You get kind of bored, right? Knowing everything that's going to happen. Yep. So then you start putting little surprises in there. Okay. So you might start knowing a little bit less, right? And then you go, oh, but it's not completely surprised yet. But then there's this button that you press, which is forget everything. And then baby's born, right? And it's like it's like humans playing hide, God playing hide and seek with itself, its consciousness. Yes. If that makes sense. Oh, wow. So that's, that's, it's that's, kind of like on a lineal timeage of, if you think of creation, invent in new things, invent in... Yeah, I think you described it best. But yeah. like, I suppose we'll go with it, his you, one. You, my, my interpretation of what you're saying was like in talking about a lineal time of evolution mm-hmm. and, consci- and spiritual evolution. Yeah, well, in, the reality is that in order for you and I to have a conversation right now and look at each other and be completely convinced that you, and I, <laughs> uh, that you and I are, are two separate beings, you, we're having that experience, are we mm. not? Mm-mm, yep. However, if you adhere to the idea or the, the, the experience that there is one whole indivisible reality that underlies this experience or the appearance of you and I being separate, then we have to be ignorant of that reality in order for us to be entirely convinced. Otherwise, we're just seeing each other as extended self. Yeah, yeah. Waves on an of an of, on an infinite ocean interacting, mm. right? Mm. And so, in order for the glass to know sustain its its structure as a glass and not merge with the microphone, mm. there needs to be a degree of ignorance about its fundamental nature. If everything realized its oneness nature right now, the universe would just yeah, disappear. Because the, the, because the the fact of the matter is, so we need separation to. Experience. We need ignorance, my man. Yeah, yeah, right. This is why I'm saying. So yeah. now let's look at what's going on on planet Earth right now. We know that the universe is constantly evolving, right? It goes through cycles of evolution, and the cycles are governed by this creation, maintenance, and destruction function. Humanity itself is going through a very remarkable time where we've been for the last 10,000 years, let's say, experimenting with what it's like to be really, really separated, really defined as other, and to, to explore and experiment with what it's like to really segregate ourselves from each other in many different ways. This has been a creative process to understand our nature. This is a, this is a new narrative that I'm giving you, by mm-hmm. the way, just for your consideration. Mm-hmm. For the last 10,000 years... We've gone through an enormous amount of experimentation and that's involved us 
conquering each other, killing each other, s- segregating, being biased, being prejudiced, mm. all for the purpose of dis- de- de- delineating the differences. There was a certain kind of bliss and euphoria in conquering a nation. You know, all of, all of this stuff, it, it was what was driving us and there was a reason for it. The narrative that we hold at the moment is that we've been terrible. Right. We are such terrible, mm. sin, sinful, flawed mm. creatures. Rubbish. We are fiercely courageous in our capacity to explore the impulses of creative, nature's creative intelligence, which is go and experiment what it's like to divide and conquer, to kill, to... This is, this is all part of nature. Do you really think that nature's intelligence, as infinitely vast and incredible as it is, mm. is making a big fucking mistake here on planet mm. Earth? Mm. I don't think so. Mm. So the, 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 it's, it's a failing of our own capacity to oh, reconcile so. the story that's taking place here. Okay, yeah. Everything that's happening here is perfect, man. Right. Well, I find wonderful. it hard to understand that when so many species are going extinct day by day. To me, that doesn't, that's, that's destroying that's, creation. That's you having an attachment to those species, right? It is. It is. Yeah. And I'm cool with that because I love them. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's beautiful because yeah. that's what makes, makes us human. Yeah. And this is, this is what makes us so unique as a species in the universe is that we feel a sense of loss and sadness when creation isn't primary. So what I didn't say about these three functions is that creation is always primary. Maintenance is always secondary. Destruction is always tertiary. Ah, interesting. We feel an enormous disturbance in the force, in the heart region, when, force. when destruction is in primary function. And at the moment, what we're observing is destruction is in primary function. But the big question is why? It's because yeah. there's been too much maintenance. When there's too much maintenance in the creative process and not enough creation, then destruction moves into primary position and starts removing irrelevance. What's happening on the planet right now? An enormous amount of destruction. Why? Because we are entrenched in maintaining an ideology and a worldview that doesn't sync up with what's actually fucking happening in nature. We, and so we are experiencing a, a, a paradigm that is shaking us to the core. The Donald Trumps, the, these massive corporations that are basically that own all the governments and the, the reserve banks and all of that, these hmm. are manifestations of nature. They're not a mistake. But aren't they the, the, the very destructive end of nature? Yes, for the purpose of what? to create such conditions on the planet mm. that cause such degrees of suffering that make us move into a crisis state because we know we only ever change in crisis. We do. We, Somebody we, once we, said to me the best thing that had happened in the world was when, this is like back in the last 10 years, but um, was, was um, George Bush because at the point where it was all, he was just being an absolute wanker to, to the rest of the world, we hated him and it was disgusting, but she's like, why? He's waking us all up. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I mean, so he has purpose. But let's all get just, woken up and get it done then. <laughs> well, no, no, but, but, but we don't. We we don't want to like you know when we're telling a story, you know, it's like a little kid telling him a bedtime story. We don't want to rush through the the pages like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. We'd hate to get to the you miss all the action and the battle and the the story. Actually, the universe. How do you remove yourself it? from that? Because because I feel like I'm so entrenched in that. Like you don't want to remove yourself. You don't want to remove yourself. But it's exhausting. It's exhausting being on the front line. Yeah, like because, I, you're, you're, because you've identified with mm. a narrative 
you've you've completely identified with the narrative that it's us versus them. Right. And the 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 revolution that is going to take place inside of you is the transcendence of this dichotomy that is a non-reality. We're all one. These these characters that are playing the them as opposed to the us are essentially us and they are just playing a role within nature's evolution in be here now but ramdas is a picture he has it's this really cool little book it's a bit eclectic but i really enjoyed it but it's he's got these images and it said um hippies create policemen and policemen create hippies and the only way to be uh an effective act- activist is to love the person or the people that you're um being active against yes and it's that that's the force because if you're reinforcing it's like the Gandhi thing, like hate never ceases with hate. And if you go, oh, you know, I hate the Trumps, I hate this, it's never going to change. No. That's just going to reinforce those roles and push people away. And yeah. bring them together. I hear you. And everything you say is true, but I've still got an amount of attachment. There. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to take a little bit of time. Because mm. it, it does. You've been studying this with great masters for, what, 22 years? Yeah. And, and at the same time, you know, the battle that you're experiencing outside <laughs> is a battle that you're experiencing internally. Yeah. And so what we seek to do is to um, attach narratives to the outside world because we've got so many different ways that we can interpret this reality. And generally the way that we interpret the outside world is the way that we're experiencing reality inside of us. So there is a split, if I may, <laughs> um, happening inside of you where there is an internal battle taking place. Mm. And so this is where these spiritual practices are so paramount, mm. so important in any activism in the world right now because you've got all these people out there fighting the power, but they're not dealing with the internal battles that they're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And like Gandhi said, you know, you want to see change in the world? Mm. Be the change yourself. Mm. That means embody, reconcile. He was all about love mm. ultimately. Mm. Mm. And the reality is, man, that we're not going to defeat any, any opposing force in a battle. It's not how it's going to go down. The paradigm shift, the quantum leap that humanity is going to make is through love, is actually reconciling the the paradox and unifying it. Mm. We're going to elevate ourselves out of this paradigm of us and them and recognize that we are immensely powerful as individuals Mm. and we don't have to operate within this paradigm of us and them. We don't. What's, What's the alternative? It's It's moment-to-moment intuitive creativity and uniting and collaborating with people and not buying into this paradigm. The reason Mm. why you're exhausted is because it's exhausting. Mm. Yeah, the frustration comes for me is that I feel like after going through depression, like three years of meditation and and doing that six-month travel last year where I made it up as I went, I felt like I got to this place of um, reconciling my opposites Um, and I came back completely awake and clear and very at peace and, and on the start of a journey, then I think I, the last six, seven months, I've thrown myself way off the tracks for doing too much drugs and too much drinking. I'll uh, do it to you. And, um, and, I, and I feel like the last two months I've been, I've been seeking and asking for that clarity again and that connect, reconnection by meditating, by asking for it, by doing everything I can. But I, I'm, I'm yet to find that same thing I found on the road. You should come and learn to meditate with me. I'd love to teach you mm. this wonderful technique. It's very simple. I feel like that's where um, 
I thought that meditation was just this thing that you go sit in a cave. And when I started to experience a lot of hearing about what One Giant Mind is and Johnny does, um, I didn't quite understand until today what um, meditation really was and why it created such change in me. Because in those hectic times in our society where we are in ignorance, somewhere along the lines there, here I had this space to sit with a group of people who would just calmly sit and become aware of the mind and where we would observe it and we weren't bound by it in that moment or I wasn't. And I really able to see through Johnny's teaching the benefit of it is being able to choose to be in my natural state, which is love. And I even think about my um, brother who's like, you know, we're Polynesian backgrounds. Johnny and I always laugh, but, you know, it's like, oh, what's meditation, you know, and (laughs) I wouldn't do that shit. What the, you know, like it's like full men going, why would I sit? Because their concept of it is just way out. But I really love listening to you today because, yes, these are big concepts, but the more that you add spiritual practices or I have added spiritual practices such as meditation to my life, I became closer and closer to and expanding more with love and love. Mm-hmm. And so there's no doubt that there's days where I let, as you put it, was I think you, this is about this not, I'm not, not thinking who I am, but what we are. And so you, you clarified to me today why I loved meditation because I learn about what I am versus what I think I am. Yeah. And it just makes me closer and closer to this intelligence. And so it doesn't matter how many people are on a, um, whatever spectrum you are on the journey of 22 years with Johnny or me one year in, it really does expand this connection to yourself or to life and gives you more purpose and more meaning. And it's awesome. So I guess, you know, even hearing you, Jez, we get up in it and it's about what we think we are, but you're so close. You're in it Mm. and it's beautiful. It is, and and participating on that on that level of the narrative that you have been is beautiful and noble, and it's mm-hmm. it's a part of our humanity, and it indicates how sensitive your your heart is and how beautiful your spirit is. That you actually feel compelled to do something about it. You're disturbed by the injustice, the imbalance of destruction on the planet. Mm-hmm. That there is a lack of uh, sa- a sense of sacredness of our existence and all life on the planet. The fact that you are moved by that is, is a beautiful thing. However, what we don't want to do is become entrenched by the narrative. And this is, this is our challenge as, as humans. This is our, mm. As I said, this is our next leap, is to learn how to, to witness what's going on here from the perspective of God. Mm. Do you think God is concerned an almighty, all-knowing intelligence. I know that G word freaks some people yeah, out. Yeah, it does. What, what, what I'm talking about is uh, that underlying intelligence, that infinite intelligence that's organizing absolutely everything in the universe right now in such precision. Let's just refer to it as that. Do you think <laughs> that intelligence is freaking out because of what's happening on this little blue planet? I don't think so. Yeah, man, no way. Yeah, yeah. so why are we? If what we're trying to do is emulate nature's intelligence, which is what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to emulate nature's intelligence. So what's nature up to? It's relaxing and enjoying. It's a procession of creation, maintenance, and destruction. Oh, we just happen to be embellishing a moment of destruction. And 
you know, in the scheme of things, it's a very small period of time. And how do we, how do we as humans respond to the destruction, put ourselves back in primary position as creative? Yeah. Beautiful. And that's it. Beautiful. Get back into the creative. And how, how do we, how do we lead with creativity? Love, unconditional love. So if we, if we try to um, resolve destruction with destruction and fighting, it's fighting fire with fire. Mm. It's just not going to happen. We're not going to resolve anything. We'll just perpetuate the cycle. Whereas if we can elevate ourselves out of this by having the direct experience of our nature, feeling, actually experiencing it, I feel love. Oh, what do you know? Mm. I'm feeling it for that stranger over there. And I, I feel like that's mm. the thing that my brother or my cousins who don't understand this a lot of the time will always come back and be like, they will always respect love. Yeah. Mm. No matter what. That's a universal language. It doesn't matter mm. if you don't do this work, you can always respect love. Yeah. Mm. One thing I really like about Buddhism is, I'm not sure where it's from, but there's a saying like, if you see Buddha on the street, slam. It's the idea that um, any of these concepts you have are just concepts. It's not the actual thing. Correct. So it's like if someone's listening to this and being all sceptical, being like, oh, he said the G word, oh, spirit, oh, all these big ideas. It's like, no, you don't have to believe anything. That's not the point. The Correct. point is to experience it yourself. Mm-hmm. So you could go and try, try meditating. On. And there's also heaps of scientific benefits from meditating and uh, calming your mind, which mm. I found out as a 20-year-old, you know, young adult that couldn't think straight and was constantly worrying about worrying, which is a, <laughs> a cycle in itself. Yes, Correct. Yeah, I mean, meditation is very accessible. Um, I mean, this might be a good um, point to Please shame, do. shamelessly plug my. <laughs> no, go for my, it. my question app. would have been like, so where? <laughs> how do we do this? Where does where does my brother go? Yeah, so I run an organisation, as you mentioned at the start of this thing, called One Giant Mind, uh, which is a, a charity that promotes meditation as a means of um, popularising the practice of meditation, but also combating the epidemic of mental uh, illness in the world at the moment. And mental illness is really just um, a byproduct of disconnection from our true self. And the reason why more and more people are experiencing mental illness is because humanity is becoming increasingly more sensitive and existing in this world in its abruptness, in its you know, fierceness and its heinousness, mm. it, it's becoming increasingly harder to deal with. Mm. And people are starting to feel the pressure. And that they haven't been taught to look within and, and be empowered with the notion that they can actually transform their own lives from the inside out. They haven't been empowered with it. We weren't taught it at school. We're not told it, taught it culturally. And so there's a massive movement taking place around the world now. And meditation is becoming a very, very commonplace thing. And... Um, how do you find your because because I've tried like about fifteen different techniques and one, only one of them, as an example, works really well with me. Yeah. How do you how do you find or recommend people find one that works for them? <laughs> this is a, a subject that would take up a whole other podcast okay. as well. But, yeah. um, one that one that derives from a tradition that is primarily concerned with servicing people that live in the world and not necessarily people that live in monasteries. Mm. Now that's a bit of a controversial statement. Because there are certain Ooh. practices that are very, very po- popularized in the West that derive from monastic traditions. And these techniques are very, very difficult for people that have worldly lives to mm. practice and experience some sort of immediate benefit or, or gratification. Because or, they're or, so ancient, they're, they're not necessarily so suited to the modern 
Well, no, it, the, the time frame doesn't necessarily affect it. It's okay. just the, the nature of the technique and what it is that the, the responses that they're eliciting, the process, the mental processes that, uh, that they involve. Um, often these mental processes were mental processes given to people after they'd already spent a couple of years in a monastery gotcha. and had been initiated up the line and had uh, you know, arrived at a certain level of mental preparation. And then they were given certain techniques. And somehow or another, these techniques are now sort of infiltrating the West without any context around where they came from. And so... Um, you kind of need kindergarten level then to... Well, yeah, yes. But there, there are also... But there are just techniques that are very different um, for people that live in the world. And it's not actually kindergarten. They're, they're still very advanced and very, very profound in their effectiveness. They're just different. Yeah, gotcha. And so um, I, I've spent, you know, 22 years exploring the, the length and breadth of, of, and depth of, of meditation to really understand it. And um, I teach a variety of different techniques, but I always start with one particular technique that causes the mind to transcend. In order to, in order to be able to gain the full function of your mind – you have to understand the depth of it. And in understand the depth of your, your, your mind, you need to experience it. And in order to experience it, you have to learn how to transcend. And so a, trans, a transcending technique is the best place to start because it establishes the self. Mm. And from the self, you're able to be more mindful and practice and focus on, 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 on everything that you want to get on, get on with. So the technique that we've created uh, is delivered by, via a smartphone app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's free. It's a 12-step course. Each step takes 15 minutes. After the 12-step course, you're encouraged to take the 30-day challenge, which will support you to make it a daily habit. After about 30 days of practicing it, you start to get addicted to the, the endorphins that the brain produces. Infinite potentiality occurs. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really easy. Mm. You, you just come to it as you are. You don't need any experience. In fact, the less experience you have, the better. <laughs> and just let it teach you. It's fail-safe. If you follow the simple instructions, it's high-quality audio. It's a really beautiful app. We're very, very proud of it. It's our second awesome. iteration. You should be proud. I had a friend awesome. today who rang me, and he uh, used to take one pill to wake him up, one pill to calm him down in bed. Uh, he would be jumping from one side of the room to the other. He would be pushing his glasses around, t- tagging at his hair. And that was just who he was. He was like a little bit crazy, the eclectic guy. And um, he rings me today. I go, how are you? He goes, I just meditated. I said, oh, this is great. He goes, yeah, I'm a meditator now because he went to, he did the app One Giant Mind, which I really encouraged him. I go, please just try it. And then I threw him along to one of your meditation courses and he's like, he is so mainstream. He's like, I'm so conscious now. And he's taking the piss, but he genuinely has found that true nature in him. And he regularly checks out the app when he's going off tap again and, um, he's not taking that medication anymore. Uh, and he's definitely chilled out. And that's a huge testament. And chilled out really is that he loves himself. He can really feel that connection to the infinite. So as a little test to see how one we are at the end, I thought I'd ask you guys, you have to say true or false (laughs) in terms of the connection to me right now and how connected you really are. Are my pants down by my ankles or are they up around my waist? 
You're not meant to look, mate. Oh. That's cheating. Oh, you didn't say Are that. you connected to me or not? <laughs> they feel around your waist. They're around your waist. They're around my waist because we're all one. Nah. <laughs> They're down by my knees. <laughs> <laughs> so there's oh, some things I that love can't. That we go from the most beautiful. <laughs> I think that that was just that, that function of nature where I just was ignoring the reality of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Pollard, I said that you were effortlessness incarnate and um, you just emanate truth. And would you agree? Mate, that was absolutely so beautiful. And I can't Loved wait. It. I know that you're going to be launching um, a new platform um, with podcasts even included where people, you know, what Ooh. seems difficult about this Vedic, um, Vedic meditation, um, let alone this beautiful conversation we've had today it can be difficult you have simplified it so i'm pumped i can't wait until we can get a hold of that yeah i'm really pumped too yeah it's gonna be a very exciting experimental platform because you know all of this knowledge is traditionally expounded orally mm. through inquiry and so i've got to create scenarios where there is inquiry but um, um it's you know reflective of a collective inquiry so it's, it'll be interesting to see what comes out. Oh, no doubt. Huge impact. I love it. The frameworks, the lessons, it's um, just what so many people are looking for, and particularly with collective potential. That's what we're here, helping people connect to those resources to live that purpose-filled life. If I could quickly life. add another resource, I think A Path with Heart by Jack Cornfield is a good, like, simple cool. summary of all these ideas we've been talking about tonight. Mm. If you want an introduction anyway, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what they were saying. Read that and then come back to the podcast. Or just listen to this podcast three times. That should do it. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I'm going to be listening to this podcast at least 20 until that sinks in. But um, fundamentally, I feel so connected and full of love right now. So thank you. Oh, Especially because Jeremy's guys. pants are down. <laughs> <laughs> yes.